You're listening to the Crypto Curry Club podcast with Erica Stanford. Our guest today includes David Birch, Principal and Management Consulting Firm 15 Megabytes Limited. This episode of Crypto Curry Club is brought to you by Plaid. Plaid.com. Hey everyone, thank you very much for joining us on this open banking series uh, brought to you by Plaid, uh, an open banking platform. So we're joined here by Dave Birch, the, the very famous Dave Birch. Uh, <laughs> it's good to see you, Erica. Thank you for, for joining us here, Dave. Dave is an industry legend and, and well-known expert in the in the banking sector. Um, Dave, if you can just give us an overview we're looking here at open banking predictions for 2022 and where does open banking fit into crypto where are we at now in in open banking if you could give Uh, us an overview well open i mean actually open banking's had a little bit of criticism recently when people have been saying well look we've had open banking you know not much has happened sort of so what which is sort of a little unfair i think because obviously there are some open banking applications especially in small business area which uh, have worked pretty well. But they've generally been to do with what's called AISP, Account Information Service Provision. So this is where you give you give a third party permission to access your bank account and they go in and slurp up some of the data and they use it, I mean, generally for credit decisions and things like that. And, that, and that's great. It works pretty well. For the average consumer, it just means their banking app means that they can look at all of their bank accounts in one app and mm-hmm. things like that. So it's not that exciting. But bubbling under the surface, you've got the next generation of services coming along, which are based on what's called PISP, Payment Initiation Service Provision. And that's where you can send um, a third party with your permission, can send money from your account to somewhere else. And that's that's a much more interesting proposition. That's what that's what some people call right access to the bank account for odd reasons. So the. um, and, and, and so the obvious implication of that is that you'll be seeing more payments being driven through open banking interfaces. There's a there's a very good example of this in the UK right now, which I use, I wouldn't say all the time, but at least once a month, which is um, HMRC. So HMRC, you know, tax, mm-hmm. uh, they now have an open banking interface. So in the old days, I would go in once a month because I have to pay the PIYE and whatever. And you'd have to look at one page and then write down how much you owe. And then you have to go to another page and type it Mm. in. And then you've got to type in your debit card, despite the fact it's the same debit card number I've used every single month since the company was formed. And then you've got to type in your address and and, and all of this. Well, now they have an open banking interface. So you go, it says you need to pay X pounds Mm. and you click on OK and you get redirected to your bank and you log into your bank. And then that's it. And they send the instruction to the bank to transfer the money mm-hmm. from that bank account to, the, to their bank account. And it's, it's much more convenient. So moving from you know, where it's basically just information services to where it's payment services is actually quite a big deal. Meanwhile, you've got other people now beginning to move into that space. And in 2022, you'll begin to see open banking initiated payments uh, start to challenge, you know, more traditional card payment infrastructure, um, and and of course, I mean, you can say, well, you know, that sounds like a crazy thing mm. to say. Can you give us some examples? 
Well, well, because because the idea would be, you know, um, you you get a message in an app. I mean, you, let's imagine that. I mean, I'll, I'll use this. I'll make this up as an example. Suppose my gym app. You know, this I'm making this up as an example, obviously. But like the app for my gym on my phone. Um, you know, in, instead of me typing in my credit card number and all that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, I would say, you know, pay, and then it would go to my bank app, and I just log into my bank app, and it takes care of it. Um, for example, I have a Revolut card. I was using it last weekend actually when i was in spain which i use for foreign currency and you used to load that by typing in debit cards and things like that and now you don't you go to the Revolut app and you say put in a hundred pound for my bank account and it sends you to your bank app and you log in at the bank and then it does Mm -hmm. the transfer so so and it and it's simpler and better and easier and also more secure you know so it's it's basically very positive and uh and by the way i mean if you think this is me making crackpot predictions about open banking well, you have to bear in mind, you know, Visa spent hundreds of millions buying Tink in Sweden, which is the open banking mm-hmm. interface. MasterCard spent millions buying Aya in Denmark, which is a similar kind of thing. MasterCard bought Finicity. Visa tried to buy Plaid and got blocked by the um, the DOJ. So look, it's not me who's the only person that's thinking, mm-hmm. actually, that open, I mean, what you might, I mean, I call them A2A, account to account payments, but open banking initiated payments are, are going to be a big thing so you see for next year this is just going to get much yeah, much bigger much yeah more and and and, and for, you know for the for the for the average consumer they'll mm-hmm. find themselves using more and more of those kind of things what does that translate to in the crypto space well moving money in and out um is uh, a pain um but it's much easier to do it that way so you can imagine the situation where right now you have to go and log into your bank app. You do a bank transfer to your exchange. Mm-hmm. You have to put in like the right reference number and everything so it goes to your mm-hmm. account. <clears throat> well, just like Revolut. So, so, so now you imagine you're in your exchange. You want to load some sterling in or out. You press a button and you go to your bank app to secure authentication. Mm-hmm. And then that instructs the money to be transferred. Uh-huh. It, it, it's simpler and quicker and cheaper. So... Um, <laughs> Now, of course, there, I mean, there are some reasons why you might not want to, to use that. So, and I'll give you an example. One, one group of merchants that, that had historically always been unhappy with, with card charges and, and so on are airlines. You could easily imagine a situation where you, you, you've got your EasyJet app and you book a flight mm-hmm. and now it's time to pay for it. And instead of going to Apple Pay or, or typing in your credit card uh, all over again, it says, uh, okay, which is your bank, you know, and you choose Lloyd's and up comes your Lloyd's app and you log in and the money gets transferred. But consumers have a lot of protections. I mean, the historical reasons mm-hmm. built around cards, you know, if, if goods don't show up or services, services are not rendered, as they say, or, you know, things go wrong, you know, you can get your money back from the credit card company. I mean, you see it on like, I was going to say Watchdog, but I don't know if they still have Watchdog, do they? It's, it's like, but, but, you know, but you see these stories like, you know, some furniture company goes bankrupt mm-hmm. and all the people that pay with cards get their money back and the people that pay with cash don't, you know. So there's a lot of protections around cards. So there's an argument which says there's an opportunity to start building schemes around these kind of transfers, which unbundle the functions of credit cards because, mm-hmm. you know, credit cards are a bundle. You've, you've got the payment guarantee, you know, the, the authentication, the chargebacks and consumer. Mm-hmm. They're all bundled in one thing. Yep. 
whereas different groups of consumers might want different bundles. And open banking, in a way, allows you to sort of pick that apart. So you can have, you know, this this organization providing this bit, this organization providing this bit, this organization providing this bit. And you get the bundle that you want, which is appropriate. And, you know, for crypto, that might be a very different bundle that you, than you from buying furniture in a furniture shop or something like that. So... Yeah, I think that the thing is that the fact that, you know, your life hasn't been transformed by open banking yet, uh, yet um, that doesn't mean that nothing's happening. There's mm. a lot happening. There's, exactly. a, there, there's a lot bubbling along. Are, are you seeing crypto exchanges or crypto wallets already using open banking or are they starting to look at it now? Or uh, what have you seen? I mean, the, the ones I use don't, but, um, but that doesn't mean others aren't thinking about it. I mean, what would be needed for crypto platforms to integrate? open banking is it it just building the relationships or is is it well there's two still too early there's two parts to it there's how do you get the connection to the banking system and you know because the banks have to because of banking the banks have to have these apis Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a pain mucking about with the apis so there's companies like true layer that sit there and you do a deal with them and they interface all the bank apis Mm -hmm. for you the bigger problem is regulatory as always because you've got to get what a trusted third party accreditation in order to be able to do this. The FCA has a directory. I mean, obviously, otherwise you just get people sending you emails from, but you've just won the Nigerian state lottery. Press I, this I, I get those emails all the time, constantly. So, so, you know, when somebody sends a message to your bank mm-hmm. to say, please transfer this money from Erica's account to this other account, they have to be in this directory of accredited people that are allowed to do that. But then when you have people abusing that, I mean, the same as the same as crypto exchanges, you look good, you look good on the exterior, you convince everybody that you're safe, people put money into your platform until you've got enough, and then you leave. Well, I'm, I'm, Is there not the risk I'm of sure, people building for good score until I'm, they've got enough trust and then abusing? I'm sure the FCA's rigorous procedures and accreditation uh, will mm-hmm. stop that from happening. But I mean, yes, look, you know, is it possible somebody could get a TTP license and behave themselves for a long time Mm -hmm. and then get involved in some sort of criminal behavior? Well, yes, but it's not very good criminal behavior because, I mean, the only place I can send money from your bank account is to another UK bank account. This can be tracked. Well, yeah, because, you know, if I, if Mm -hmm. I, if, you know, if you log in and and all of a sudden I, you know, Dave's exchange Mm -hmm. has sent all of your money to you know, some other account somewhere. It's not like I've taken a suitcase full of cash and disappeared. I mean, you can only send it to accounts. But also the way that you authenticate those transactions is, you know, you you hear all the time about SCA, strong customer authentication. So when the Inland Revenue wants to send money from my bank account to the Inland Revenue bank account, I have to do the authentication on my phone, which in the case of Barclays, is a bit of mucking about punching in a pin number, but whatever, it doesn't matter. The standard has just been agreed for a thing called VRP, which is Variable Recurring Payments, which is where you can give a merchant um, the permission to draw money from your, a bit like a bit like kind of card on file, card on mm-hmm. present things. So you could imagine like Tesco get permission from me. And I say, okay, Tesco, I trust you. You know, you're a, you're a trusted brand. You have physical presence where I can go and get redress you're governed by ombudsman and all this sort of thing so Tesco or Waitrose or Sainsbury's if they said actually can we have permission to draw variable amounts from your account from time to time you'd probably say yes because they they bribe you with points because it's cheaper for them than using cards 
would so I so that you don't have to do the whole thing every time exactly exactly uh, so you know you basically you walk in you scan your Waitrose app or yeah. whatever same as Amazon one click checkout yeah and, and it just transfers the money from your mm-hmm. account but it doesn't go through the existing card rails you see that's the that's the sort of thing this is the kind of thing it, so 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 anyway so so what's coming next is this kind of next generation of services which involve open banking but real payments you see what Plaid's doing in the US with Dwala and people like mm-hmm. that and I think for a lot of people, that actually will make life much easier, much simpler, and frankly, much more secure. Because if, if, if you know, you get a thing, we, you know, we need £100 to top this up or something like that, and you have to go and log in at your bank on your bank app on your phone, mm-hmm. that, that's massively more secure than, you know, typing in some random card numbers and, and firing them off. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting okay. time, actually. Thank you, Anne. What for crypto companies looking to implement open banking, what realistically would, would they need to do other than going to someone like that, for example? What 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 else is needed? Well, like, like I say, I mean I, I I'm guessing, I don't know because I've not been through the process with them, but but I'm guessing the hard part will be getting the TTP accreditation or getting a deal with somebody that does have TTP accreditation. Um but I mean there's a lot of companies already on that register. And also remember it's a European thing, so I mean, it's there's a bit of jiggery pokery at the moment, obviously, because we're not in Europe. So there's stuff to do with, mm-hmm. you know, which public key certificates are valid and all this sort of thing. But speaking very generally, if you have a TTP accreditation in one European country, then you can access bank accounts in, in other European countries. I mean, it, that bit is quite sort of quite sort of organised. Yeah, thank you. And then going to the next stage of crypto, you've got the decentralised wallets and platforms and DeFi platforms and so forth do, do you think that DeFi. they will stand a chance of, of getting these setups and getting the regulation in place to get open banking set up I think or what what is needed there I think you need to talk to a lawyer about that I don't know if there's one in the building but um uh I I, I that's a bit outside me I couldn't I couldn't swear mm-hmm. to that but what I would say is I think that I think that DeFi is in many ways um much more interesting than the the underlying sort of cryptocurrencies. So is it plausible that a little bit further downstream, Mm -hmm. DeFi players will be able to integrate into what you think of as the legacy banking system? Well, actually, I think that's probably true. Because remember, those those DeFi players downstream will be regulated. You know, the current I mean, it's fun at the moment that you have a global market of people selling each other stupid pictures of chimpanzees in sunglasses, but I don't think it's for really... The, multiple millions of pounds. I don't think it's the basis for a new economy uh, just yet. So, yes, downstream, I, I can I can see... But, prop- that, I mean, that's only the NFTs you're touching on. Yeah, but, but, the, but the, I mean, that's kind of an interesting point because, like, the, the that stuff is crazy, mm-hmm. people selling each other JPEGs with chimpanzees and so on. But the technologies and tools they're developing to do that do have application in terms of you know financial intermediation mm-hmm. and reducing the sort of friction in finance to moving towards these sort of decentralized solutions you know i i i've seen um i've seen what what to me seem very credible models of what that would look like downstream where where you have sort of this continuous trading of digital assets that's going on in these kind of 24/7 markets mostly controlled by bots actually not controlled by people but um, structured so as to reduce the risk and cost for you know for you mm-hmm. or, or I sort of overall. No, I, I buy all of that. I mean, just not yet. Yep. 
Um, and so would that then interface with like, I think it probably would, but it's just a little bit further away at the moment. Okay, thank you. So just to, to, to finalise it, in summary, your top few sort of thoughts for where open banking will change uh, and affect crypto over the coming years? I think... I think open banking is more interesting than it appears at first. Mm -hmm. So it's wrong. It's wrong to sort of dismiss it on the grounds that nothing much has happened. That's not quite true. Um, Next year, you'll see that more of a spread of these open banking initiated payment services, which actually are a good thing, generally speaking, because, as I say, they're easier, safer and more secure. And then further downstream, in theory, at least, you should see a more seamless integration between existing payment infrastructures. Remember, you're talking specifically about open banking, but remember open banking itself is going to evolve more into sort of open finance in general, and of course downstream more into kind of open data. And, you know, could that interface with DeFi in multiple ways? I think it probably could, yeah. Okay, no, thank you. And any last thoughts on the growth of DeFi? Um, what your predictions are uh, my my prediction is that um that DeFi is real and uh particularly in sort of wholesale markets Mm -hmm. it will allow for the trading of much more sophisticated financial instruments than we have at the moment largely because that trading will be between bots and not people and so it should create instruments that provide liquidity at lower risk and that's not a bad thing that's actually quite a good thing no. Okay, great. Thank you so much for everybody. Thank you very much for joining this series on open banking and looking at the predictions of open banking uh, brought to us by Plaid. So thank you and big thanks to Dave for, You're for, more than for joining okay. us. It's always fun. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of Crypto Curry Club is brought to you by Plaid. Plaid.com.